Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scuzz, Arthur Sitkowski fanboy Scousebo. <laughs> yes, you certainly are. Uh, we wrap up our previews of the Big Ten teams Northwestern does not play uh, this season with a look at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. With, with the one we're most sad we don't play. <laughs> the timing yeah. is impeccable. I've just hit the bottom of my Bourbon County Stout. This, this couldn't have worked out any better. All right, so buckle up. This is, this is going to be a good time here, boys and girls. Um, John, Rutgers, defense, talk to me. Rutgers, defense, whatever. i mean seriously like whatever with this defense whatever with last year's defense um you all saw it you all saw us play this defense last year it was trash you saw it you know it was trash it was supposed to be trash we told y'all it was gonna be trash and a lot of people were like yeah yeah. no no yeah no it was trash the greg shiano in year two stuff trash uh records is on the way up trash this defense had no depth and a couple of talented players who were underwater because the defense had no depth just like it always is Rutgers rankings in total scoring run and pass defense in 2020 were 11 13 11 and 11 last year those same rankings were 11 11 13 and 10 Rutgers is Rutgers on defense. So I could just stop. John, they went to a bowl game last year. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Less said, the better. Sorry. Um, sorry. The, so I could just stop. Maybe I'll just stop there and just be done. Um, but I'm going to keep going. The reason I'm going to keep going um, is because this coming year on defense is something of like a special situation for Rutgers. We talked about it in last year's preview. We've been kind of circling it for a little while now. Take a look at the 2021 and 2022 Rutgers recruiting classes on defense. You will see five four-star defensive recruits. All of them are from high schools near Rutgers. Within this group are three linebackers, Moses Walker, Anthony Johnson, and Kerry Benton, who could be at Alabama, LSU, and Michigan right now. And then add in defensive end Kenny Fletcher and defensive back Elijah Clark. They could both be at Michigan right now. So this is it. This is the moment right here. This is the Greg Schiano play. Take a look at the Rutgers 2023 class, this class they're working on right now. You won't see anything remotely like these five guys. That's because Greg Schiano has one window right at the beginning of his tenure to sell all of the top local recruits on staying home, starting right away, and building something. It's these five guys, the five guys that I just mentioned, and they basically all need to hit. The problem for Rutgers is that even if these guys do hit, it kind of leaves Rutgers back where they started. So remember, the problem with Rutgers hasn't been that they don't have any good guys. Take a look at the three linebackers that I mentioned earlier, these three big linebacker recruits. 
unfortunately for Rutgers, most of their best guys last year were linebackers. Olakunle Fadakasi, Mohamed Torre, Tyshawn Fogg, and Christian Izian were four of Rutgers' top six playmakers last year in tackles and tackles for loss. It didn't make any difference because, as we've discussed, at length, four years, Rutgers has no depth, especially up front. They get blown off the ball, and then they don't cover well in the secondary. And unfortunately for Rutgers, Fatakasi is now with the Bucks. Fogg is with the Dolphins, and Torre is out for the 2022 season following surgery. Rutgers' best defensive lineman from the past few years, Mike Dverdoff, is also a Dolphins minicamp invite. So feel free to do the math here, right? If all of those four-star guys that I, that I mentioned pan out and replace all the guys who I just mentioned who are gone, Rutgers is right back to where they started. So, as so many narratives go, this Greg Schiano as the savior thing is going to lose momentum real quick if the Scarlet Knights don't put something together on defense this year. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, like, whatever this theoretical thing that they've got cooking based on all of these recruits might look like, I mean, I'm just not seeing it. There's just not enough here. There aren't enough layers to make me believe that any kind of thing is being built here on defense. So whatever's going to happen here with Rutgers, it ain't coming from the D. Scuzz can tell you whether or not it's going to come from the O. Oh, well, well Scuzz, uh, will it come from the O? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, maybe maybe a little. But um, look, this was officially the worst offense in the conference last year both statistically and because they lost to us. <laughs> um, they were bad. I, like, the offensive line was rough. Noah Vidral struggled, uh, as did the other five quarterbacks who tried to throw a pass. Um, and their skill guys, while skilled, were hampered as a result. Now, in 2022, uh, there's, not a major, there's not a ton of major losses. Yes, their top running back and top wide receivers are gone, but they have competent players to fill those holes. The giant question mark is if their quarterback can play at a Big Ten level and show anything like the promise he displayed in limited action with uh, Central Florida and Nebraska. Uh, I dug into this a little bit. Um, so if, for those who don't remember, Noah Vidral was um, really good in, in you know six games. He only threw 30 passes uh, at Central Florida um, back in 2017. Transferred to Nebraska uh, to be with with you know his first love, uh, Scott Frost, in 2018. Um, let's just say his Nebraska experience was not very good, and he left Nebraska after the 2019 season. Got to Rutgers. This is his third year with Rutgers. His third year with Shiano and offensive coordinator Sean Gleason. Uh, but, you know, if you go back to the UCF and Nebraska years, he, he attempted 90 passes um, through the course of like 12 games in those seasons. You know, this isn't a huge sample size, but it's 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 better than some QBs we're going to evaluate going into this season. Um, in those 90 passes, he was 64% uh, completion percentage. He had a nice eight yards per attempt, uh, only one touchdown, but also only one pick. He runs a lot. He was a heavy runner, 55 rushes to those 90 passing attempts. But since coming to Rutgers, his completion percentage in the last two years has dropped to 
his pick rate has skyrocketed from one out of a hundred passes out of every 100 passes to three out of every 100 passes. And most concerning at all, most concerning of all the yards per attempt have plummeted from eight to five and a quarter. That that's like as low as it gets. Now, he, isn't, he is not playing with the Ohio State wide receiver core, but he's not playing with chumps either. Uh, Bo Melton, who was the number one guy last year, was a really solid receiver for Rutgers for three years. He got drafted in the seventh round, and he's with the Seahawks. Uh, Aaron Crookshanks is a pretty fast dude. Isaiah Washington and Shimon Jones, they were playing before Vidrog even got to Rutgers, and both experienced a drop-off in the last two seasons. I mean, the offensive line is something to consider, but even when you look at the sack numbers... They weren't that great last year, but they certainly weren't as bad as like 2019 or 2016 when they were in the 30s. I think they gave up like 21 sacks last year. It's not great, but it's not horrible. So, like, it's just kind of a conundrum because, you know, this dude was highly recruited and has seen some, seen some success, should be considered like a heady veteran at this stage in his career. Um, it's his third year, like I mentioned, with Shiano and, and Gleason. I don't think there's anyone coming for his job. Like uh, they, they had a pretty good recruit in Gavin Wimslet in uh, the class of 21. He, he threw, you know, like six balls last year. Um, he's a four-star QB, but like, but, but still like they're probably going to go with a draw. So like, this is his chance to find it. Um, but he has to figure out how to get comfortable in the pocket, even with a subpar O-line. He has to figure out how to find his, find his guys downfield and and improve that uh, yards per, per attempt. Now, beyond the quarterback, like I mentioned, a couple skill guys are turning over. Uh, Bo Melton is gone. So is Shimon Jones. Uh, but Aaron Crookshanks is back. Isaiah Washington is back. They get a great, like, number one type wide receiver transfer from Syracuse in Taj Harris. And they've got a really good uh, true freshman recruit in Amarian Brown. And then former quarterback Johnny Langan actually has turned into a pretty nice pass-catching option at tight end, too. Now, they lose Isaiah Pacheco, who's probably like the best player on this offense last year. That's not ideal. But uh, Aaron Young and Kyle Monungai, uh, those were the number two and three running backs. They scored as many touchdowns as Pacheco with like they each had like a third as many carries as as him, um, and they matched them on yard, yards per yards per carry. So like, the running back concern, the the running back core is going to be fine. The big concern though remains the offensive line. Um, it was rough last year. It's still going to be rough. They have a ton of bodies. They have double uh, what Michigan State has on their roster currently, but they've only got one solid returning starter in their tackle, Holland Pierce. They are getting three, like, probable starters through the portal. So they're getting one guy from uh, Louisiana Monroe, another from Colorado State, and a third from Minnesota at guard. And they've got a a really nice true freshman recruit in Jacob Allen. But um, this O-line is clearly going to be a work in progress all year. God forbid they have any injuries among those top five. They they have to find depth. They have to find other players. Um, It's going to be a bit of a challenge. So the optimist view here is that Vidral has more comfort in year three. Um, he's maybe, you know, a little bit healthier, able to do a little bit more with his legs to make up for some of the offensive line concerns and can take advantage of what should be a nice receiver core to do some damage. The pessimist view is that Rutgers drops off at running back, which was kind of like the one thing that went well for them last year, um, that the transfers don't mesh and then team improves like 
marginally. They, they can't really get any worse, but remains 14th best uh, offense in the conference. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! So let's run through their schedule here real quick. Uh, opening up the season at Boston College. Uh, coming home to play Wagner, and then they travel to Temple. Uh, two of their three non-cons on the road. Nice scheduling there, Greg. Actually, I guess it wasn't Greg. That was like 20 years ago they scheduled all that. Um, they're home for it, Iowa. Hey, it, yeah, it, it still yeah, might have been Greg. Yes, Sammy, those Rutgers Temple games have to get hammered out years in advance. That's <laughs> real. <laughs> They open up uh, conference play at home against Iowa. Then they travel to Ohio State, home against Nebraska and Indiana. They're at Minnesota, home for Michigan, at Michigan State, home for Penn State. And then they finish up the season at Maryland. Um, get Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State at home is rough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, They're... nice for the gate, right? But um, not so much for the win column. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll say this like here's here's a charitable way to say this like I guess if you want to take a glass half full view, um, they have an FCS game on their schedule and then two other teams that you know let's call it straight up like they hammered last year Temple and Indiana, so that's the glass half full is like hey based on that they're starting with three wins and let's see what else they can pick up, the glass half empty scenario is like Rutgers got the crap kicked out of them seven times last year. Like, got the tar beat out of them. And then somehow that weird Michigan game where it was like, I don't know what the hell Michigan was doing in that game. Like, they were just playing like absolute garbage and the game stayed close, right? But if you run back a thousand simulations of Rutgers from last season, maybe they hit six wins a couple of times they hit three and nine a lot of times. Um, they were fortunate to win that Syracuse game on the road, and they won that Indi- that Illinois game that was a crime against football. <laughs> that game was so flipping bad, and someone had to win that game. Um, it's just they're it's they're not a bad team. Like they're not a good team. Like I I mean again I'm like I'm looking at this schedule and I'm like I mean again. They're, they'd be kind of counting on Indiana to not get it together at all. And again, like we've previewed Indiana already. We know what Indiana's total crap shoot on offense. Maybe it does break for them the same way. And they get Indiana at home. Um, but once you get past Wagner, Temple, and Indiana, I, you know, I'm just not seeing a win for them here. Like I just think every other team on their schedule is straight up better. And I don't have any reason to believe they're not going to win those games. So you're saying you don't see them backing into a bowl game with APR again uh, this year? <laughs> no. All caps, no. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. What, could they make a bowl game? 
All right, like, so let's on, on their own merit. So they ambush beat they ambush BC beat Wagner Temple Indiana. That's four. You got to find two more. Um, I'll take Ma- Maryland, Maryland maybe on the road at Maryland, and then um, one of Nebraska or Minnesota. And then they they beat. I, I know I know Rutgers has a bye after Nebraska. Does Nebraska have a bye after that game? Because you know, we're a situation where Scott Frost gets fired on October eighth. Uh, <laughs> they play on October seventh. Then sure, uh, you know, that, there you go. There's your six. Uh, Nebraska plays Purdue the week after they play Rutgers. No, no so sorry, sorry, your fanfic is. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean. That's it. I mean, again, like, I, I mean, again, seven teams beat the crap out of Rutgers last year. Um, and I'm looking at all these teams that ought to be decent this year. Like, I mean, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, and Iowa should all just beat the brakes off of Rutgers. So... And then somehow they're going to find wins outside of that. I'm just not seeing it. Uh, this looks like a three and nine team to me. Scuzz, what do you think? Uh, that sounds about right. I mean, I can't. I can't. Like, I, I have. <laughs> I, I don't feel good saying anything more than that. Truly. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like what Rutgers hoping is that they they ambush BC on the road to start the season, and then they ought to be three and zero hosting Iowa looking to make something of something, you know, like that's their scenario for the start of the season. After that, the winds just kind of evaporate. So I don't know where to go from there. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Do I feel better about the influx of, you know, um, mercenary parts to Indiana than I feel about whatever it is that Rutgers gonna, is going to put together? Yes. Yes, I do. That does not bode well wow. for them getting more than three wins. No, it certainly doesn't. Again, I'm and I'm like, like I mentioned it, but I'm looking at the Rutgers recruiting class that they've got cooking right now. And again, it's like it's already year three for Greg Schiano. Like this, like whole like you know that the air is going to go out of this balloon really quickly. And I know a lot was made of yes, they went to a bowl, yeah, and in that bowl they got absolutely obliterated by Wake Forest. Uh, they look like a team that had no business being in a bowl game and. I don't expect we're going to see them back at one in a while. I mean, they had, they had six four-star recruits in last year's, the class of 2022, that are coming to campus this year. But, like, right? I, like, I mean, they, they had a good class. Um, I just it, think that's it's an uphill I, climb. You right. Know? I just think that's the window. I mean, you're going to see a lot of those guys play, and a lot of them play early, and I think that's going to be the end of yeah. that. And, and maybe the best way to put it, like, they've got 15 commits for 2023 already nary a one of them is a three-star guy right or four-star guy right yeah, right, so yeah just... n- n- none of them are four-star compare that to northwestern's 20 commits in 2023 and we have four four stars per rivals like it's that, that that's a gulf of difference right um after both teams had a rough 2021. Well, uh, that'll wrap up our preview on Rutgers. Uh, Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates, and email the show, westlawpirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlaw of Ryan Field, flying the red pirate flag, 
because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.